Uh, if you would, let's uh, turn together in the Bible to John chapter 15. The passage for this morning is John 15, verses 12 through 17. John 15, verses 12 through 17. I'll ask if you're able, uh, would you stand with me as we read from God's Word? Pay careful attention. This is God's Word, faithful and true. This is my commandment, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain, so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name he may give to you. This I command you, that you love one another. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Please be seated and uh, let's pray and ask the Lord's help this morning. Father, we praise you for your word. Your word is a, a light to our feet, a light to our path. And we pray that in your light, we might see light So we ask that your spirit who inspired uh, these words to be written down and preserve them throughout the ages, that your spirit would illumine our hearts and minds. Give us understanding. Help us to receive your word with faith and love, to lay it up in our hearts and to practice it in our lives. And help us to see Jesus. For we pray in his name. Amen. What does it mean to be a friend? In this passage, Jesus talks about the love of a man and laying down his life for his friends. He tells his disciples that he calls them to be his friends. Uh, But what does it mean to be a friend? This is a relationship that today is both highly valued and at the same time uh, greatly devalued in our own day. Friendship is highly valued. Everybody wants a friend. Uh, Everyone wants a friend. Even little children know the value of a friend. And if you watch little children play with one another, you can you can see how how very often they they quickly connect. Uh, A child only has to play with another child once or twice, and then they walk away. That's my best friend. You know, they just played together a couple times, but they value friendship. They value that relationship and make make those relationships quite easily. Uh, Some of you will remember my friend James McManus, who was here a couple weeks ago, uh, came and participated in the installation service. His son, Patrick, who was the little guy with them, uh, his son, Patrick, uh, loves and makes friends very easily. In fact, on the way to the installation service here on the 27th, Patrick, who's, I don't know, four or five, I'm not sure, he was sitting in the back of the the car with, with James, and he asked James on the way here, hey, Dad. Are we going to your best friend's church tonight? James said, yeah, yeah, Patrick, that's where we're going. And Patrick said, great, maybe I'll make a best friend too. <laughs> Little kids value friendships. They, they know that that's a highly valued relationship. 
And it's not just children. We all, we all desire that type of relationship that is characteristic of close friendships where you can be totally known and still at the same time totally loved. Totally known and totally loved. Friendship is highly valued. At the same time, friendship is greatly devalued uh, in a somewhat ironic way in our world and in our culture. If you're on Facebook, you've probably got lots of friends, maybe more than you understand, more than you know. Um, Probably you have friends on Facebook that you don't even know who they are. I know I've got some that I think I went to high school with, but I can't really remember. Somehow we know each other and we're friends because we're friends on Facebook. Friendship has taken on a new meaning in the digital age. It's been devalued and made into something often less than what it ought to be. It's a sadly ironic situation where a person can have hundreds of friends on Facebook, the digital world, and yet be isolated, be totally alone, uh, experience depression and anxiety because they are lonely and don't have human connection. Of course, we can't just point the finger at Facebook as though that's the problem. That's just a tool. Uh, We're the problem. We long to be totally known and totally loved at the same time, uh, but we recognize that those realities don't often fit together very well. There's a bit of a tension between them. Think about it for a moment. If you reveal your heart to another, are vulnerable, you open up, you share something that's deeply personal with another, you have fears. You have fears about how that person will handle those things. Can I trust somebody else to handle my fears, to handle my vulnerability, to handle my shame, to handle my sin, to handle all that makes me me and not reject me? Can I trust somebody to do that, to not put me to shame? And so we have a hard time opening up, revealing ourselves, revealing our hearts to one another. And on the other side of that, if I'm, if I'm loved and welcomed and accepted because I'm pretending to be something that I'm not, or I'm keeping up a front, keeping up a wall and, and only letting somebody in a little bit and not being open about who I am, am I really totally loved at that point if I've not been known? So what do we do? We, we share selectively. Um, we don't let people in easily. And there's probably some wisdom in that. You don't need to overshare things. That's not the point. But we are overly guarded uh, because of that. Or if you're on Facebook and you're sharing with your friends, we distract ourselves with divisive news, hot takes on big issues, or even the latest funny cat video. And so friendship becomes very surface level Do you agree with me or do you not agree with me? Have you liked what I posted or did you not like what I posted? And that becomes the measure of friendship. Friendship is highly devalued in our culture. We all long to be known and totally loved. And yet at the same time, we fear vulnerability and the openness that true friendship involves. When we come to the scriptures, we find that the living God himself also highly values friendship, which shouldn't surprise us. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in one sense, have lived in loving friendship from all eternity, knowing and loving one another fully 
in a way that goes beyond our ability to comprehend. And we're made in his image. And we're made to value the things that God values. God highly values friendship. And he alone offers a relationship where we can be totally known and at the same time totally loved and accepted. In the broader context of the Bible, you see things like Abraham being called a friend of God because of his faith in God's promises. Moses, we're told, talked with God as a man talks with his friend. In the Proverbs, there are wonderful things said about friendship. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. And there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother, pointing ahead to Jesus. Friendship is highly valued even by the Lord. As we come to this passage this morning, this specific passage, Jesus here, in a demonstration of his love, calls us his friends and says that there's no love greater than one who lays down his life for his friends, which he would do at his cross. And so Jesus calls us to be his friends, and then he tells us, what friendship is. Three things, uh, and I'm helped here by Tim Keller, uh, so I'll give him credit where credit's due. Three things uh, that Jesus identifies as the heart of his friendship with us, our being his friends. Number one, he brings us into his heart. He brings us in. Number two, he does not let us down. And then number three, he takes us all the way to the Father. So we'll look at those three and then ask, how should we respond? Notice in this passage the, the context of where we are in John's gospel as we come to chapter 15. Chapter 13 through 17 is all taking place at the last Passover meal that Jesus celebrated with his disciples, the Last Supper, uh, the establishment of communion, which worked out great for this morning. It's an appropriate passage for that. Here Jesus is gathered with his closest companions, his friends, and he's telling them what's about to come. He spends the whole evening preparing them for the cross, preparing them for the resurrection, preparing them for the pouring out of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. He's revealing himself to his closest companions, revealing the Father's plan for them. He's bringing them into his heart. On this night, as he gathers with his friends, he tells them what's going to happen. He's going to die. He's going to rise again. He's going to go up into heaven, and he's going to send down his Holy Spirit upon them. And he gives them instruction about how to live as his disciples. He washes their feet and says, this is what I'm going to do at my cross. I'm going to cleanse you. And then he says, you wash one another's feet. Love one another as I have loved you. He tells us to abide in his love as branches abide in a vine for life. We can do nothing apart from him. And then in this passage here, he calls us again to love one another as he has loved us and gives us this analogy of a man laying down his life for his friends as the great measure of his love for us. And so as we come to that context of the last night before his death, giving instruction about how to live as his disciples, we see Jesus calls his disciples, calls us to love one another as his friends. Notice how he describes friendship here uh, and as he uses this analogy. A friend is someone who brings you into 
his heart. A friend is someone who brings you into his heart as Jesus does here. In verse 14, you see, he says, you are my friends if you do what I command you. And then in verse 15, he sets up a little contrast between servants or slaves on the one hand and friends on the other. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. Notice what he's emphasizing there. The servant in the house doesn't get an explanation of why things are happening, why he ought to do this and not that. The servant receives orders and carries out those orders. That's his job as a servant. The servant is not brought into the inner circle of friendship with the master. But Jesus here, as their master, brings them in and says, everything that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. I've brought you into the inner circle. I've brought you into my heart. I've let you into my life in the most intimate of ways. He's revealed his plan to us. Jesus brings us into our heart, into his heart rather, that we might know him as he is and that we might be, na- made, that we might be known by him. And he sets for us a pattern of our own friendship with other believers in particular, letting people in, sharing life together, being willing in appropriate ways to be open, to be vulnerable, to be honest with one another, trusting that we can be known and loved because Jesus has known us fully and by his death and by his resurrection and by his righteousness has given us the unbreakable love of the Father. Jesus knows you all the way down to the core. He he knows you better than anybody else. All the ways that we struggle, all the things that we're fearful of, all of our sin, all of our shame, all the things that we carry, Jesus knows them all. And rather than pushing us away, rather than stiff-arming us, holding his nose, as it were, he brings us into his heart. And he says, you are my friends. He welcomes us into loving relationship with himself. And through his own righteousness, through his death and his resurrection, the gift of his righteousness brings us to the Father so that we can be known and loved by him. A friend brings you all the way into his heart. Jesus also outlines his own friendship for us in saying that a friend never lets you down. A friend never lets you down. Notice in verse 13 where he talks about this great love uh, that will be demonstrated in his cross. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. That's a way of Jesus saying that he will go all the way to whatever it takes to never let us down, to faithfully bring us to the Father, to provide all that we need for salvation in the giving of his own life for us. In John's gospel earlier, there's a a portion where Jesus describes himself as the good shepherd. And you, you see again this same dynamic going on in that that part of John's gospel where Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. 
I know my own, my own know me. I care for the sheep, and I'm not like a hired hand. You remember the contrast that he sets up there? It says the hired hand doesn't own the sheep. He doesn't love the sheep the way the shepherd does, so that when danger comes to the sheep, what does the hired hand do? He scatters. He, he runs away. The sheep scatter, they flee, and they are put in danger. But Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. We are in, in danger because of our sin. If we're outside of Jesus Christ, then our sin has put us in a place of great danger. We, we stand outside of Jesus, condemned by the very wrath of God because of our sin against a holy God. And what does Jesus do as our friend? He stands in our place. He gives his life for us in our place as a substitute for us so that we might know the love of the Father and be brought into the very heart and love of God. I heard a story one time of a man who uh, worked a late shift at his job and, and lived close enough to his home where he could, he could walk home. Uh, and most nights, that's, that's what he did. He would end work and he would walk home and it was always dark when he was on his way home. Uh, and one night, he decided to take a slightly different route home than he normally takes. He decided to walk through a, a public park in town on the way home. And as he was walking home, it's dark, it's late, he's by himself. Uh, he begins to hear this rustling in some of the bushes nearby in the park. He kind of looks but keeps on going. And then he begins to hear muffled voices and, and a cry for help. And he immediately has that dilemma that we would all have in that situation. What do I do? You hear this cry for help. You hear somebody who seems to be in danger and some sort of distress. And you start thinking, well, if I go, I'm going to put myself in danger. I don't know what's going on. Maybe it's nothing. Or this sounds bad and there's nobody else around, and maybe I should help and just see what happens. And, and that's what he decided to do. He heard these cries. He heard this muffled scream coming from the bushes, and he ran over there, and all he could think to do was just jump in the bush and try to scare off whoever was assaulting this person. And he did. He jumped in the bush, and the assailant scattered out of fear for what was going on. And he, he grabbed the young lady who was there in the bush, and he said, It's okay. You're safe. You're not in danger anymore. And she heard his voice and she said, Dad? It was his own daughter. He had no idea. But he had jumped in the bush because somebody was in danger. And he rescued her. Jesus highly values friendship. So much so that he says, He jumps in the bush for us by going to the cross, by dying and giving his life in our place as a demonstration of the greatest love that there is. And if he's done that for us, he will not let us down. He will not fail you as often friends do. Uh, Jesus has called us his friends. He will not let us down. Finally, Jesus, as our friend, as he makes us his friend, rather, brings us to the Father, brings us to the Father. Notice Verse 16, he says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain so that, 
Here it is. Whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. Uh, Just as a side note, here you have Jesus himself teaching uh, what we call the doctrine of unconditional election. Jesus reminds us here that in salvation, he's the one who takes the initiative. I chose you. You did not choose me. All of our life of faith and following Jesus is response to his gracious, sovereign, loving initiative to choose us from the, before the foundation of the world and by his sovereign grace to bring us to himself in time and to give us the gift of faith that we would trust in his promises and then bear fruit that remains. He chose us. But notice the main point of this verse is that he brings us to the Father. He gives us access to the Father. He chooses us. He appoints us. He gives us the gift of faith and then gives us this promise that whatever we ask of the Father in his name, he may give to us. It's a wonderful promise of prayer that we have access, bold access to the throne of grace. And this promise that when we come in Jesus, we are welcomed and we have all that the Father has promised because all of it is in Christ for us. But it's also a reminder that in Jesus, we can come to the Father and find this great love of friendship that Jesus describes, a friendship in which, a love in which we are totally known, all our warts and all, as the saying goes, and yet at the same time loved and welcomed because Jesus has given himself for us, because his righteousness covers over all of our sin, and because his cross fully fulfilled the penalty that we deserve for our transgressions against God. He brings us to the Father, giving himself in our place, covering us with his righteousness. Well, how should we respond to this friendship that Jesus offers us and calls us to? Well, first we might ask, has Jesus called you his friend? Have have you heard this invitation that Jesus is offering here in this passage to respond to his call to be his friend. Do you know Jesus in this way? Have you, have you let him in? Have you confessed your sin and acknowledged the ways that you have failed and sinned against a holy God? Have you opened your heart to him in that way? He has opened his heart to you. He has demonstrated his love for sinners at his cross his death in our place. That, that is his welcome. The cross is his invitation. The resurrection is his invitation to come to him, to pour out our hearts before him, and to know that he will not cast you out, that he will not put you to shame, that he will welcome you and bring you into the Father's heart and call you his own friend. So if, if you've not known Jesus in this way, then start by being honest with him about your sin Start by embracing what he has done for you in the gospel, in his death and his resurrection on your behalf. Claim his righteousness as your own so that you can stand before the Father accepted and loved. If you're a Christian already, if you've embraced Jesus through faith and you know him as friend, then a couple things for us to do, for you to do. One, Uh, Do what Jesus says here at the beginning and end of this passage. Love one another as he has loved you. 
good tool in Bible reading. Uh, if you're reading a passage and the writer says something at the beginning, says some other things, and then says the same thing at the end, you can be pretty sure that that's an important point if it's repeated and kind of sandwiched like that. Here Jesus begins and ends this passage by saying, Love one another as I have loved you. And then he explains what that means. A man giving his life for his friends, bringing them into his heart, never letting them down, bringing them to the Father. Love one another in the same way that Christ has loved you. As Christians, our friendships in Christ always have to go through the cross. They always have to be based on grace, on acknowledgement of sin and forgiveness of sin and, and openness and vulnerability. And we can do that with one another because Christ has covered us in righteousness, because Christ has forgiven all our sins. We are loved and known by him fully. And so we don't have to fear fully what others may do when we open our hearts, but can do it in confidence and trusting the Lord. So love one another. And then secondly, uh, rejoice. You have found a friend. What a friend we have in Jesus. Jesus, the friend of sinners. Rejoice that you can call the living God your friend. And more importantly, that he calls you his friend. That's something to rejoice over. And finally, Bring others in. Bring others to know the heart of Jesus. Through your own friendship with him, call others to join in that same relationship. This is the wonderful thing about friendship uh, is it's expansive. Marriage is exclusive. Just one man, one woman, that's it. But, but friendship is expansive. In a certain sense, you don't want too many friends. Bible has some warnings about that, uh, but friendship multiplies. You know, you've got a friend, and you bring somebody else in, and it doesn't necessarily take away from the friendship. It adds to it. It, it builds upon it. it. It expands and multiplies it. How much more so if Jesus has called you his friends? How much more expansive is it than to bring others in to know Jesus in this way? to multiply the friendship that Jesus has given you in the gospel. Bring others in and also grow in your own friendship to Jesus. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. Jesus says, you are my friends. And he gives us his table, the bread and the fruit of the vine, to demonstrate to us, to give us certainty in his grace, that if he has called you friend, he will bring you all the way to the Father. He will welcome you into his heart. Because of his death and resurrection, he will not let you down. May we believe that, and may we live as those who are friends of Jesus. Let's pray together.